He really did come to a real place and a real time. And the beauty of that is then he walks right into our hearts for those that have made him available. Welcome to our world. If you have your Bibles, we want to read the other uh, portion of the Christmas story, a portion of it at least, in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 14, and then I'm going to skip down to 25 through 38. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace to men on whom his favor rests. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. And she was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and there was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption in Israel. <clears throat> I think I sang too, uh, too much, and my voice is about ready to go, so this may be a quickie. <laughs> but we do, we greet you this morning in the precious love of the Lord, and we want to lift his name up as we think about him not only coming at his birth, but the joy that we have, and many of us have, and I trust that most of us have, as we have allowed him, by way of the Holy Spirit, 
He has come into our hearts and he has settled forever the question of eternity. A baby that came. And I like the song that Scott sang, The Little Fingers. And I could just picture him there and then he, those same fingers was nailed to a cross. And those same fingers rose again the third day. And those same fingers are seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us today as we worship him on Christmas Day. The thought that we want to share with you is how can we catch and can we carry Christmas into our everyday life? Now, maybe this has already happened in your homes. Uh, probably might have happened in Rick's. I don't know. Maybe you've already heard these two questions, but if you haven't heard them, you're going to hear them today. Or maybe whenever your family meets. But these are the two questions that will be mentioned by millions of children this Christmas season. One question you're going to hear is, What did you get? You've probably already heard it, and you're probably going to hear it today. What did you get? And you can see the little cousins and the brothers and sisters looking at each other. What did you get? And then the other question you're going to probably hear, and, and maybe a little bit more disappointing, but this probably even comes from some adults. Is that all? Mommy, Daddy, is, is that all? And I thought about those questions. Did you know that it's really this kind and time of the year that it's a letdown to so many families? Suicide rate increases. Depression and discouragement is at an all-time high during the holidays. And why is that? And why is it, even in the hearts of men and women that don't want to say it out loud, but they're saying, is this all there is to it? Is this what Christmas is? And it's kind of like they're parachuting. And when you're up there and you're soaring with the gifts and the food and the fun and the fellowship of the families, it's really kind of neat. But all of a sudden, it comes down with a thud. And the 26th shows up. And in our minds, we begin to say the same thing. Is that all? I want to challenge us today that I do believe that every individual here, if you could catch and carry Christmas and the meaning of it, and some of you have, but if you would catch and carry the meaning of Christmas into your life, then you will see that there is no need for the question, is that all? Because the true meaning of Christmas doesn't end on the 25th. And when we catch and we carry that into our lives and we walk into 2012, and we see the purpose and the meaning of what Christ is doing in our life, we don't ever have to come to that point and say, is that all? Because he's more than a Christ child. He's more than a scene in a manger. 
He's more than a star. He's more than wise men coming. He went to a cross. He rose from a tomb. He's in our life, and the vision of Christ must be kept alive. So I want to share with you three things that that maybe you'll think about and remember and, and consider, and so many of you, you'll continue to do this. And I'm going to take it from two of the oldest people in the Christmas story that we don't hear much about. One was 113, Simeon, and one was 84. And I do believe that they could come back here today and and say, "How, how can we catch and carry Christmas into life, Simeon? Anna, how can we do this? One of the things they're gonna tell us is, number one, they're saying that you can catch and carry Christmas into life, but you must distribute and dispense of it every single day. Look at verse 17 and I believe verse 32. You must distribute and dispense of it often or every day. They're saying that no one is to be left out now. In verse 17 and verse 32, it talks about that Jesus came, our heavenly Father is a giver, and this same one, no one is left out. He comes to us, the Gentiles and the Jew. No one's left out here. And when you and I take the true meaning of the Christ child into our life and we dispense and distribute his life to others, often the meaning stays alive. Simeon and Anna were at the temple. And the Bible says that she was there every day. There's times I know in my life I need to take a renewed effort renewed effort to distribute and dispense the meaning of the joy of Jesus in my life. You know what it's like. Paul talks about it. We're we're like soldiers, but if we're not careful, we can get so entangled with the affairs of this life. And like Pastor Rick said, nothing wrong with some of those affairs. But when they begin to smother the Christ child, That's serious. And I do believe that this old man, Simeon, would say, you must dispense and distribute it often. And the quicker you can take the Christ child out of the manger and make a beeline to the cross and to see the true meaning for why he came, then eternity can be settled when an individual accepts that by faith. I really do not believe it was business as usual for the shepherds that night. I don't think they were ever the same. I don't think it was business as usual for the wise men. Yeah, the star disappeared, but I think the rest of their journey home, and I believe the rest of their lives, they witnessed the Savior. It changed their life. And I think he's saying the same thing to us today, to to share it often, share it well with your children. I never get tired of talking about the simplicity of the gospel. And why is that? I ask myself that question. Why do I never get tired of talking about the simplicity of the gospel? 
Well, one of the reasons is because it's always being challenged. People are making it too hard. Religion just dumps things on the gospel. The gospel is very, very simple. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And if we accept that in true faith, that is when eternity is settled. Jesus came to reveal and redeem the Father. And when he was done, the same baby that was in a manger went to a cross and he said, it's finished. And folks, when we can distribute and dispense of that in our life and carry that into 2012, you will not have to say the words, is that all? Another thing here in verse uh, 25 and, 20 and 37 to catch and carry Christmas into life, we must seek to live it as a reoccurring echo. Now, why do we mention that, a reoccurring echo? Well, that's what Anna was doing here. The Bible says that she was there night and day. <laughs> night and day. 84 years old. Reoccurring echo. Simeon was always hanging around the temple. He wanted to see the consolation of Israel. Reoccurring echo. And fathers and mothers and grandfathers today, what is the reoccurring echo in your homes? The Bible says in Isaiah 39, what do they see in your home? What's the reoccurring echo? that the children see when they come to grandpa and grandma's house? Do they see a grandfather that is more concentrated on his bank book or on his Bible? Do they see a grandfather and a grandmother that is more caught up in food and fashion and fun or family and friends, especially Jesus? Do they see a grandpa that can quote more about sports or can he talk more about the Savior? You see, the reoccurring echo in Anna's life is a, is, a, uh, is a lesson for us. There needs to be a rhythm and an echo when I live my life and I walk my life and people come into my homes and where we share with people, they need to see the rhythm of Christ. That's the echo. That's the Deuteronomy 6 of a family's life. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. That's the reoccurring echo here. I was in Madeira a few years ago and I stopped into a little crowded restaurant. And I remember uh, sitting across from a, there's uh, two couples and uh, it was about Christmas time. And I remember how much fun they were making out of Christmas. And this is what really caught my ear. Right before they got up to leave, they said, what a joke for Christians to do what they're doing. And one of the gentlemen says, we tried that. I tried Christianity. It never worked. 
And it's a joke for the billions that are spent this time of year. And those people walked out making fun of this time of year. Now, in some ways, I kicked myself for not going out and tackling them, but <laughs> we didn't do it. But I thought, you know, these people were, walked right into this text. Because the Bible says, in fact, Luke says it here, that the coming of the Christ, it's going to bring out the best and the worst of men. Somewhere. And these individuals' life in a little town of Madeira, they never caught and they never carried the real meaning of Christmas. It never became down into their hearts. They never seen the incorruptible seed of Christ. There was no partaking of a divine nature. Because, folks, when Jesus comes into your life, you can't suppress him. And yes, we have our dark days and our ups and downs. Life is cyclical in Christianity. We know that. But you don't suppress the Holy Spirit. He's like a fountain, and he will just keep coming up. And you can dynamite it, and he'll come up over here. That's the beauty of Jesus when you've caught and carried him. He'll keep coming up, and we want him to do that. And the third thing we looked at in the text here, if you catch and carry Christmas, you must be willing to pay the price that is asked of you. Look at verse 35. Tells Mary that even a sword, Mary, is going to pierce your very soul. Yes, you have the opportunity to bring Jesus, the Savior of the world. You're going to raise him in your home. You and Joseph are going to raise him, and you're going to see him as a teenager. And you're going to walk him, uh, watch him walk and live among men. And you're going to go to a cross and watch your son die. And a sword will pierce your spirit. And folks, it's no different. If you are a true follower of Christ, there are times that a sword will pierce your spirit when you catch and carry Christ in your life. I have no clue what tomorrow's gonna bring. But I know one thing. Trials and suffering and testings, they don't quit. And you may be a moment of your life right now that it, it's, it's going good for you and your family. You may be in a trial right now that it's really crummy. But you always make sure that Jesus is there. I don't know how you can make it through a dark night without Jesus. And Mary understood that in that text, I believe. And all of those sayings she kept in the one of the readings and she pondered them in her heart and they came out later on. Maybe some of you will be like Egypt tomorrow when you wake up, barren and desolate. But if you have caught and carried Christ and the meaning of Christ in your life, you don't have to get foggy. You don't have to become fickle because when you have the greatest friend ever in your heart and in your life, you have caught and carried the true vision of life. I have come that you might have life and you can have it more abundantly. 
And sometimes things get a little foggy for us. And when they do, it's because we've moved away from the word of God and Jesus. Did you know that you can go downtown on six square blocks and it's so foggy sometimes you can't even see the car in front of you? That's only two quarts of water. Billions and billions of droplets. But fog has come in and you can't even see where you're going. And sometimes in the pressures of life, it becomes like a fog and it comes in and it's really nothing. And it's Christ, as we take him into our hearts, he can dispense all of that. It says right here, he became the light to illuminate our life. And Anna, I believe she understood it there. A sword will pierce your very soul. You see, to follow Christ into January and February and March, it's going to have a price tag with it. It's not going to be easy sailing in, in 2012. It may be the roughest, toughest year that we've ever seen. But when we have Jesus, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And we catch and carry him, we can walk right into life with renewed vigor. And for the youth today, maybe your price tag is the courage is to say no to things this year. No to violence. No to fights. No to drugs. No to alcohol. No to immorality in these things. And some of the older ones, it may be a price tag of doing what you can to not allow bitterness to come in and, and speaking the truth in love, showing more honesty, going out and doing what you can in the service and the lives of others. I'd like to just let old uh, prophet, prophetess Anna just, uh, I'd like to ask her a question. I was, I was looking this morning again here uh, about this older lady, 84, and I thought, man, if, if, if I could just ask her a question, so I am. Okay, Anna, you're 84. And what in the world, at your age, are you hanging around the temple? You should be home watching how grandmas scare whatever or knitting or sewing or, or taking it easy. What are you doing here in the temple at 84? And I can just see this, this old prophetess getting a real stern look but with a smile on her face and looking back at me like, you fruitcake. Young man, I come here every day because it is a joy in my life. And then I looked at the text and look what she's doing. The Bible says she prayed to the Lord, she looked to the Lord, and she talked about the Lord. That's all she was doing. Is that our life? Is that our life in this Christmas season? Praying to the Lord, looking to the Lord, talking to the Lord. I find that very exciting when I see some of the old warriors of the cross and the silver-haired saints, even in this congregation. You have a passion and you are alive with a vision of the Lord and you're not ready to back down or quit. Bob Wheeler is sitting over here. 
he is a tremendous testimony to me. Because when you go talk to him, he just wants to lift up the Lord. That is a reoccurring echo that all of us need. Tomorrow the decorations are going to probably start coming down and the lights and all that kind of stuff and, and the sales are going to go on and the manger is going to go back in the closet and the wise men back in the box and, um, and the world is saying, hallelujah, this thing's over. And, uh, but that doesn't have to be that way for us folks. Our Lord and Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the greatest power that this world has ever seen. And that precious vessel that you are walking around in is called an earth suit. Just a bunch of baked clay is all it is. But you got something so valuable in there. The incorruptible seed of God himself. And you have the privilege and I have the privilege to come and go in this community and to catch and carry the meaning of the Christ child and then just be able to share it with others and allow it to be a reoccurring echo in our homes. And like the old Anna did here, she just looked for the Lord, she prayed to the Lord, and she talked to the Lord. Wow. As we leave here, I want every one of you to, I want you to be thankful for the, the exchange of gifts that God has already given us. Have you ever wrote down and just counted your many blessings? Have you ever just thought about the gifts that God has given us in exchange for what we've given him? I gave him my sins. <laughs> and he gave me a new life. And I thought about it in, in, in context of, of the Christmas message. He was born on earth that we might be born again. He came to a manger that we get to go to a mansion. He came as a, cry, as a child to an earthly mother that I can cry out every day, Abba Father, to a heavenly parent, Daddy. He came and laid aside his glory that someday I get to receive a crown of glory. He came and welcome, was welcomed by the lowly that we might be someday welcomed by the heavenly host. He came and he was poor and we're going to die rich with an eternal, eternal, eternal inheritance. And he was came and hunted as Pastor Rick read this morning by a very cruel king that someday we're going to walk into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A few nights ago, I was sitting there and I was thinking, wow, what, what can I give to you, Lord? And I know what Romans chapter 12 says, that to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. But you want to put a real big smile on God's face? You want to give him a gift? It's going to be a gift as he unwraps it. I'll guarantee you it'll put a smile on our Heavenly Father's face. It's all wrapped up and packaged in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And when you purpose to catch and carry Christmas and then to give this gift back to God, it says there, I want you to do justly. 
I want you to show mercy and I want you to walk humbly before me. And our Father in heaven, when you and I unpack that gift and give that gift to him as we walk into a new year, you will never hear him say, is that all? Is that all? Let's pray. Father, we love you and I know there's probably times in our lives that we don't put a smile on your face. <laughs> Sometimes we, uh, we become pretty wretched with uh, our fumbling around and we get all out of shape. We get bent out of shape for the wrong reasons. And Father, it is not until we come back to you and at the foot of the cross and just to see the light of the love of Jesus that we realize where we're at and what we need. Thank you, Father, for bringing your son into this world. And a thousand, thousand, thousand thanks, Father, that he was willing to go to a cross and die and rise again that we can have a new life, a new life. And may that sink into our hearts, Father, as we share our gifts today and as we sit with our families. Just bless each family here, Father. May, may they have an exciting time together. And may the reality of, of Jesus be permeated in, in the homes that are represented here today. And as we go out and as we catch and carry Christmas into our life, may it be a loud, reoccurring echo of how much we love you. We love you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. And Father, we know there's going to be a lot of piles a lot of piles of stuff in our homes today. Piles of gifts, piles of food, piles of money spent, piles everywhere we look, and yet, Father, encourage our hearts to keep you on the top of every pile, that your name is lifted up, that you are glorified in all ways. And thank you for this privilege of just being here to name your name today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.